All right, folks, only three episodes left here of more football. Richard Johnson, Vach Lombardi. I'm your host, Adnan Baruch. It's great to have you with us, as always. We have a rundown, which our producer, Amit, puts together. It's all the topics we're going to hit on. So there's one that I want to just throw up there. It's just off the cuff, because you know what? It makes sense. I want to go with my man, Richard Johnson, Jaguars fan. Urban Meyer's getting $12 million a year. What's your reaction? Hey, Shad Khan said uh, downtown Jacksonville needs an urban renewal, and they have it. <laughs> uh, you know, everybody knows, everybody knows that Urban Meyer had quite a bit of success pretty close to Jacksonville, about 80 miles away in Gainesville. You know, we will see how this turns out. I am, you know, as a Jax fan, I'm not terribly worried about the on-field product. They are still going to draft Trevor Lawrence, get out of here with Justin Fields' conspiracy th- theories. Uh, the offense is still going to look pretty good. I, I expect him uh, to get really good coaches around him. That's not what I'm worried about. What does give me a little pause is the amount of personnel control he's going to have over this roster. Uh, uh, you know, conceivably draft decisions, salary decisions, resign trades, that sort of stuff. And, you know, his motivation tactics. How will he tweak? How will he evolve his motivational tactics from being a college coach to an NFL coach? I think those are the, the, the two things that I'm sort of uh, concerned about for the Urban Meyer tenure. But hey, if he's able to make it work, I'm going to be one happy camper. Vaj, interesting point Richard made there as far as evolving his techniques. There's a certain way you can coach college guys. There's a different way you coach pro players. And I wonder, as Rich said, what's the personnel going to be around him? That's going to be the key. Well, the big difference is just how you deal with the actual person, right? Because in college, they are kids and you can be a little more rough with kids. You can say, you know, say some of the wild things just to motivate kids. But these grown adult gentlemen, these grown 28, 29, 30 year olds, you may have to move with a little more tact. Plus, uh, when you're in college, you could just say, Hey, I want to get all the best players in Florida and they're going to play on my team. I'm going to get all these best guys. So now we're going to see how Urban Meyer coaches when there may, you may not be good at this position or you may not be good here and you actually have to find guys and draft them and take your turn picking the best guys. It should be interesting. Back-to-back weeks of Jags content here on More Football. Let's kick it off by talking about Patrick Mahomes, and we all hope that he's going to be able to play in the AFC Championship game for the Kansas City Chiefs. I shouldn't say we all hope. I'm sure the Bills Mafia is hoping he does not play. But, Rich, this was a scary situation. Watching that game, see him take that hit. First off, he had the foot injury, so something was wrong there, whether it was heel, his ankle, etc. He didn't look 100%. Then he gets tackled, and you see him get up and awfully woozy, almost goes down. Thankfully, a teammate supports him. Concussion for Patrick Mahomes. Listen, we hope he's okay, but that was alarming to see the NFL's most popular player, arguably its best player, get injured like that. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot lot of people were like, oh, why is he even running on that anyway? Look, save it. He ran that same play in the Super Bowl and they scored a touchdown, right? In a short yardage, high leverage situation, the Chiefs love to go to that play, that sort of speed option look with Patrick Mahomes. This is football. I mean, it's football. I think what we what is good is that, you know, they didn't insult our intelligence by bringing him back in that game on Sunday afternoon. I mean, you know, they, they didn't really gloss it over. Uh, obviously, he went right to the locker room and, and then he was ruled out shortly after that. Um, you know, it does show that the league is legitimately taking a step forward and taking a, a player safety uh, first look at you know, it's it's most prized possession at quarterback in this league at the most important position, which is Patrick Mahomes. He is going to continue to be the face of this league for the next decade plus. Um, so, you know, they didn't just run him back out there, rub some dirt on it and, and you'll be fine, kid. Uh, you know, it looks like they treated the injury with the much tact. And even though it didn't look like 
he, you know, fell on his head, you know, neck injuries and that sort of whiplash action can create a concussion or concussion situation as well. And it certainly looked, like you said, Adnan, that he was very woozy getting up. So I didn't see a lot of discourse that was about, oh, Patrick Mahomes is soft because he didn't go back in this game or something of that nature. It sort of seems like everybody accepts that, hey, it's a head injury. It is a legitimate injury and, and it needs to be taken care of. Well, see... I'm always attacking fans, right? And there's probably five people on the whole social media saying, oh, why didn't he get back in there? But for the most part, we have grown as fans. And fans still say goofy stuff. But safety is first. So, shots out to Pat Mahomes. But there's a couple reasons why, you know, we're happy that he's healthy. First of all, the obvious reasons why he's healthy. But, you know, I think we we didn't really want to see the Browns move on, move on to the next level of the playoffs, right? But... I just have to just shout out to Andy Reid, man. Shout out to that Chiefs team. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. More football. Go watch the old episodes. I love plugging our old episodes. We talked about heavyweight fights. We talked about being in those fights and just knowing how to deal with that adversity. The Browns, they were in a very new situation. And when Chad Henney goes out there and he throws a deep ball and a deep interception, you're the Browns. You should be able to capitalize on that. But the Chiefs were just so battle-tested that they say, hey, we can overcome a Chad Henney interception and we can go out on this on this fourth and short and just throw the ball to Tyreek Hill and not punt the ball back back uh back to defense or whatnot. It was a lot of things, you know, that that happened in that that second half of that game though. But um hey, Pat Mahomes, I hope he comes back, you know, full full blow because we want to see you play against Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl in my personal opinion. Yeah, and to your point, Vach, as far as the Browns, listen, it would have been a tremendous story. Browns and Bills, the AFC Championship game. But I'm with you. I want to see the stars. I want to see Patrick Mahomes in the prime of his career. I want to see him win multiple Super Bowls or at least get close to that. I don't want to see him go out with an injury in Cleveland and take advantage of the, you know, fortuitous timing. As far as the game itself, you mentioned Henny. I mean, listen, 35 years of age, that third and 14, when he scrambled, almost got the first down. Tony Romo almost lost his voice. He was losing his mind. He was so happy. And then, as you said, the fourth and short, Andy Reid shows his guts, the completion of Tyreek Hill. All of this means now the Kansas City Chiefs survive. They move past the Cleveland Browns. For the Browns, you know, it's a learning experience. Kevin Stefanski realizes his team made dramatic steps this year. Now you build off that. But let's focus on the AFC Championship game now, Vach. Bills and the Chiefs. Here's my big thought for the Buffalo Bills. They haven't played their best game yet. You know, they beat Indianapolis by three. They were able to be victorious this weekend against the Ravens because their defense stepped up. But that was a game where it was 10 to three. Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown wide open. Unfortunately for him, Jerry Hughes caused pressure. Couldn't throw the ball to him. Chris Collins was said in the broadcast. That's a touchdown right there. Instead, of the next play, he throws the interception to Teron Johnson, goes 101 yards. And rather than a 10 10 game, it's 17 to three and Buffalo never looked back. But for me, if I'm a Bills fan, the reason I have optimism is we haven't played our best game yet. If this offense actually gets clicking, you might be able to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. What do you think? That could be optimism, but it could also be the reason that makes you lose a little bit of rest at night, you know, because winning cures everything. So the Bills won. We didn't fine-tooth comb this thing. But technically they only scored 10 points technically so you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to do that against the Kansas City Chiefs and the the weird part about it is we just talked about these big fights heavyweight fights overcoming the adversity we know the Browns kind of were in that situation but I haven't seen the Bills in this kind of fight this year so you're going to go against this behemoth that we're calling the Kansas City Chiefs we're going to get into it a little bit later they haven't even really been good in the red zone so as good as they've been on offense and not been good in the red zone 
what if this is the game that they just turn on the red zone offense? Now you're the Bills and you have to be perfect again. So let's have this same conversation that we had last week. What needs to happen for the Bills to win this game? I don't think the Bills have to be as perfect as the Browns have to be. But they do have to get things going on offense. Like they have to be efficient. All this, we're going to hope for some defense and we're going to get 10 points and we're going to run some clock. That's not going to do it. You have to be aggressive. You have to hit the Chiefs in the mouth because if the Chiefs run into a little bit of adversity, you need to be able to capitalize on that. Well, I think the the Bills, and I do think the Bills are capable of this because that defense has played so well in the last few weeks, which is the big surprise for me uh, as far as how the Bills are playing. The Browns gave you the blueprint on defense. The Browns held the Chiefs in the red zone nearly every time and limited the damage that that Chiefs offense can inflict. You absorb it, you soak it in as they march into the 20, and then once they get to the 20, you firm up and hold them from seven to three. Uh, that's how you beat the game or beat the Chiefs from a game script perspective. And the Browns executed that. Uh, you know, the Bills will pair that with more of a quick strike offense if they are able to execute that same game script. And I think that should make you feel good about the Bills, uh, you know, if you're a Bills Mafia guy or a Bills Mafia fan. But that offense. If that, that, you know, Adnan's point is really well taken that that offense has not really supernova. Obviously played well enough to beat the Colts, uh, you know, but they slogged it out last week with the Ravens. The Ravens defense played really, really well. At some point in time, you're going to have to score more than three points uh, to beat those Bills, though, as far as the Ravens offense is concerned. To zone. More live football than anyone else. Stream exclusive Premier League and UEFA Champions League. Stream every NFL game, including the Super Bowl. Plus, exclusive Red Zone. Showing you every touchdown, every Sunday. DAZN. Start your free trial at DAZN.com and stream on multiple devices. More live football than anyone else. D-A-Z-N. DAZN. It's interesting, Rich, for both these teams, we focus on their offense for a good reason. Josh Allen's Mahomes have got lots of flashy toys, whether it's Stephon Diggs or Tyreek Hill, but maybe in some ways it isn't just which offense outscores the other, it's which defense steps up. And we've seen Buffalo's D come up big, obviously, as you just mentioned. We've also seen Kansas City's defense do better. If I was just to ask you that, which defense do you believe in more, what would your answer be, KC or Buffalo? I also, I actually think it's Buffalo. Uh, you know, I think Kansas City's defense is very opportunistic. Uh, particularly with what they do. I mean, they're aggressive. Spagnola defense, a lot of cover zero, a lot of blitzing uh, in the at the right moments, at the right times. They're going to come after you. They're probably going to get a turnover or two when they really need it. I just think the Bills are a more solid defense. And because the Bills play so much nickel, they're at least athletically able to kind of keep up with what, uh, with what the Chiefs can come out. Nobody stops the Chiefs. Nobody... Nobody holds the Chiefs to nothing. But as far as who can limit the ceiling on what the Chiefs' damage can do on offense, I think the Bills, with the way they're playing on defense right now, is probably the best option. Great points, Rich. And um, I think the Chiefs have the higher ceiling for their defense because they, they, they have some guys in certain places that can make plays. And I like that. But nothing warms my heart more 
than watching the Bills and some stranger that I've never heard of before just makes a play. That means the structure of that defense is better. I like the Bills floor a little more. And just like you said, you're not going to be able to stop Pat Mahomes, but when Pat makes a weird little throw, are you going to be there to make the catch? That's what I think the Bills do really, really well. They get turnovers, and turnovers are probably going to help you more than just trying to stop Pat Mahomes. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely saw the turnovers why that was an issue, particularly for the New Orleans Saints. We, you know, Drew Brees turned the ball over three interceptions. They had one fumble from a receiver, whereas Tom Brady played mistake-free football. So maybe that will come to fruition in the AFC Championship game. But one more thought on this game. Rich, you're the only one I've heard, the only pundit out there, the only talking head, the only football geek who said, hey, how about the Chiefs in the red zone? They clearly have not capitalized on the opportunities, and that could haunt them against Buffalo on Sunday. Yeah, you know, I don't know if that's sort of a um... – I don't know if that's a harbinger of the fact that they haven't played. They haven't really played together in like, or hadn't really played together in like 21 days. Now, obviously, they came out and they were very sharp up until the 20, but the Browns were able to do things in the red zone uh, to limit them. Now, do the Chiefs come back and, and having practice and seeing how they, they were defensed on Sunday, come back next Sunday and, and are able to be as clinical as, as we know that they can be? Who knows? But yeah, I, I think if the Chiefs would have lost that game, the Browns would have found a way, uh, you know, the Richard Higgins touchdown actually happened and was a touchdown or something like that. The real reason why the Chiefs would have lost that game beyond Patrick Mahomes being hurt would have been uh, their inability to take advantage uh, of some red zone opportunities in that game on Sunday. Well, the best medicine for not getting these red zone touchdowns is to get Big play touchdowns. And if you're Pat Mahomes, just throw the ball deep to uh, Tyreek Hill. Get Kelsey involved. And when you get inside the 20, uh, I don't know, shoot the dice. Just just hope things go well. Keep the field going on first down. Who cares? You're you're the Chiefs. You can do whatever you want. I don't foresee this being an, uh, being an issue. You're right, Rich. Maybe there was a little bit of rust. They've been sitting down for a good little while. But we know that the Chiefs can do it. That's the big deal in this thing. It's not like the Chiefs are just notoriously bad in the red zone. They just kind of been weird in the red zone. At the end of the day, they're still the Chiefs. I fully expect them to figure this out. I'm going Chiefs W. All right, quick prediction. So Vach is going to go Chiefs. I will go Chiefs as well. I do think the Bills can win. I think it's a close game. Maybe the Chiefs win by seven. Rich, how about you? Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to take the Chiefs if Pat plays. Um, just too much firepower. Just too good. Cowards. All right, Chiefs all the way around. <laughs> but what's the spread, though? Look, hey, last weekend was tough for me at the window. If that spread creeps over three as far as Buffalo being a, a, a more than a three-point underdog, curious, curious, might take it. Fair enough. So I did not think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would beat the New Orleans Saints. I think most of us, at least those of you who are watching the show, at least us on the show, thought that New Orleans would prevail, good defense, et cetera. But Drew Brees, in what could be his final game, was brutal. Three interceptions. Unfortunately, as Vacha put it, old man armness caught up to him. Whereas Tom Brady played a very safe game. Leonard Fournette, 107 yards from scrimmage. He helped him out as well. And the Bucs defense was terrific. So I'm curious. I want to start with you here, Vach, because you've been down on the Bucs all year. And now here they are in the NFC Championship game. Your reaction to Tampa being here in the first place and their potential path to success? They definitely turned it around. Shouts out to them. I will give them credit where, you know, credit is due. Uh, they still had to grab every resource to make this work. But in the end, if you make it work, then you made it work. Uh, this is an offensive league. So get the offensive weapons for Tom Brady. And if, you know, you don't want to throw 50 times a game with Tom Brady, you want to hand it off to uh, Jones and Fournette, then then it worked for you. And then you just occasionally take your deep shots. It made a little bit of sense. Um, you know, 
I think this is more so about the lack of 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 Drew Brees, right? Like Brees was in situations where he could have made it work, but it just got real bad for him, and it just went downhill, and he just never recovered from it. And I think what happened was he started to try to push a little bit, and he ended up throwing those turnovers. Like it was it was like what three turnovers, three interceptions. So yeah, I think I think old man arm is is pretty much <laughs> we're undefeated here. You know what I mean? Um, even though. Um, even though Tom Brady is old man, Tom Brady's arm isn't as questionable as Breeze's was. Now, if Tom Brady has to go out this week and throw the ball 50 times, then maybe we'll see it a little bit more from him. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the old manness. But if this is Drew Breeze's last go, shouts out to you, Drew. You did a lot of great things in New Orleans, man. You broke a lot of records. But, but uh, man, I think this loss falls on him because when, when the Saints needed offense the most, they didn't have it for him. You know, Alvin wasn't there for him. You know, Michael Thomas, whatever, whatever. Uh, Shouts out to Sean Bunting, right? We just talked about players on defense to where, hey, I, I haven't heard of these people. The only reason I know who he is is because I'm draft guy, Central Michigan. But Sean Bunting, um, 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 Carlton Davis, those guys stepped up and they just got it done. So, shouts out to the Bucks. Yeah, Bucks have the Bucks are a lot younger than people realize. <laughs> like, just because Tom, Tom Brady's Brady is a quarterback. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, just because Tom Brady's a quarterback doesn't mean this is some like veteran outfit. These are a bunch of guys who needed somebody like Tom Brady to help them get over the line. Uh, but there's a ton, obviously, of young talent on this team. I think the Bucks are are here to stay in the league in the next sort of year or two because of what Tom Brady can give them with his age. It is clear that Tom Brady is good enough. Now, will it be good enough? Against the Packers, uh, you know, I'm not sure. I think the Packers' defense really came along a little bit more than I thought they would have. They played really good against the Rams. Um, you know, I, I you, you, the way they play on defense, the Packers, you, you always sort of worry that they can can give up a game or or. Uh, you know, aren't exactly going to be able to sit on an opponent on defense, particularly with that scheme. Uh, but Rashawn Gary, their their draft pick uh, this April, who a lot of people were down on uh, on draft day and hasn't really contributed a ton this year up front. Uh, he's really come on in the playoffs. He's played really well in the playoffs. And you need that because they don't play a ton of big guys up front. They play a lot of 2-4-5 uh, on defense for the Packers. But on the Bucks defense, they're getting their big guy back too. It looks like Vita Vea is going to be able to play in this game. So both of these defenses may look, I don't want to say look different, but they may be clicking or, or have the right pieces at the exact right time. And it makes the game on Sunday more interesting to me. It certainly does. But here's the question. Aaron Rodgers was sublime yet again. And the weather is going to be 24 degrees and potentially snow at Lambeau. And so Tampa Bay, I give them full credit for what you guys exactly said. Their defense has stepped up. Young core has coalesced. Obviously, Brady has wonderful weapons. We know that. But can you honestly picture a 43-year-old Tom Brady being Aaron Rodgers and the Packers at Lambeau? That's where I just find it. It's a tough sell, Rich. Like, I, I think... The Bucs can hang in there. I don't think it's a route. But to actually beat the Packers, I just find that to be a really tough argument to sell. How about you? Uh, Tom Brady's not the Buccaneer I'm worried about. I'm worried about the rest of them in the snow. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it's true. At least Tom has played all those years in Foxborough. He was joking, I think, with Aaron Andrews after the game. You know, the, the blood's thinned out my weather now. Like you know, it, he, he can do it because he's done it so many years. But for the rest of those guys, I mean, 
Maybe it's just a myth, Vach. Maybe it's just old school thinking like, oh, warm weather team at Lambeau. But it's tough for any team to win, much less the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, Tom. Well, I do think what they got – sorry about that, Vach. I, I do think what the Bucs uh, showed a little bit on Sunday is that, hey, look, we will ride Leonard Fournette. Fournette played pretty well on Sunday. And I think yeah. if they're going to do that, then obviously given the – they are going to need to do that uh, on, on Sunday if it snows at Lambeau. You know, the way that – Everybody knows the Bucs are sort of high-flying and, and, and they're vertical in the passing game. But they do have some power run elements, particularly with all the duo stuff that they run between the tackles. That stuff Leonard Fournette can't execute. And that could be uh, the key to a Bucks win uh, on Sunday. Uh, Tom Brady has done it before, but he's never done it at 50 years old. So that's something that we're going to have to, you know, um, you know just uh, keep <laughs> eyes on there. But my question is, though, is running the ball with Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, is running the ball going to be enough to beat Aaron Rodgers? Because even if it's snowing outside, hurricane, whatever the weather is, I don't think that that stops Aaron Rodgers' passing attack. So, yeah, you may can be able to run the ball for a little bit, but if you have to throw the ball to play, you know, to play defense on offense versus Aaron Rodgers, can you do it? So let me ask you guys this, like I'm at Nanverk. Let me ask you guys this. Like, what's your cap <laughs> on Tom Brady pass attempts this week? Because, you know, mm. you know, like, if once you get into the 30s, then I think that's bad territory for Tom Brady. Now, if you can run the ball and keep Tom within 25 or so, you know, then you can, you know, that's comfortable. But if Tom has to throw it 35 times, you don't feel great. So let me ask you guys, what's the cap? What's the number you don't want Tom Brady to get over in terms of pass attempts? I think well, you're I, right. I, you don't want to go over 30. 18 to 27 for like 210 yards, that sounds like a recipe for success. Rich? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think game script is going to play in here. Um, you know, I wonder if – so I, the Bucks played a, a lot of two-man defense on Sunday against the Saints because they did not have a Drew Brees who was going to exploit them in the run game. When you play two-man, you got all the corners, all the underneath defenders playing man, backs turned to the offense. Uh, a mobile quarterback is the thing that could get you because a mobile quarterback sees backs turned and is going to take his free yards. Aaron Rodgers can scoot now. Like, he's not Lamar Jackson, but if you turn your backs to him, Aaron Rodgers can pick up a first down. So I wonder if the Bucks play a little bit differently on defense um, and if they play a little bit differently on defense, is Aaron Rodgers going to be able to mercilessly get uh, get them over the top? But the Bucks running game showed up too. Uh, excuse me, I'm sorry. The Packers running game showed up too on Sunday against the Rams in a big way. Now, that's in large part because the Rams were content to give the Packers five, six, seven yard carries uh, because of the way their light boxes played. Aaron, Aaron Donald wasn't there to do the work of two and a half guys. So you've only got five or six guys in the box. You've got light boxes. The Packers are going to take that all day. Uh, so what? how do the Bucks defend the Packers? How much can the Packers score? How early can the Packers score? I think that dictates how the Bucks will be able to play. I think if you get a game script where the Bucs can just run the ball with Leonard Fournette and Tom Brady stays under 30 attempts and, and he's able to sort of dink dunk uh, and, and this game ends up on the scoreboard in the 20s, you know, a race to 30, I think the Bucs can do that. All right, let's do a little rapid fire here. By the way, I, we're all picking the Packers, I assume? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Oh, man, I'm taking right. the Packers. I'm not happy about it, but I'm taking the Packers. I'm conflicted here, but I'm taking the Packers. I do not have Vach's consensus. We're not necessarily simpatico, but I am taking the Packers. Because you're from Florida, that's why. Go ahead. 
All right, let's do some rapid fire here, Vach. Browns questions. First off, where do they upgrade? Obviously, giant steps this season. Where would you like to see this Cleveland team go to the next step now? Well, the Browns are going to get healthy, first of all, and that secondary is going to be even better than they were this year. Shouts out to them. Um, They're going to get better just by being around. That offensive line is just going to get one year older. That defense is just going to get one year older. Baker Mayfield... If you're going to keep him around, that's a question that we got to have. You know, he's going to be one year better. So uh, if I'm the Browns, hey, man, draft a receiver to kind of, you know, deal with that Beckham loss or whatever. I mean, you did kind of get better when Beckham left, but just you still need some more talent there. So get some more passing options and see what happens. Yeah, uh, you know, the the receiver play is something that they're going to need. They pretty desperately need linebackers. Um, you know, the linebackers that they have are not getting the job done. Uh, but those DBs do come back, obviously, from injury. Uh, and you would expect the Browns to be right there next year. Uh, you know, they can really play. They've got one of the best edge rushers in professional football. Um, they clearly have the best one-two punch at running back, probably. And I do think Baker Mayfield deserves to stick around and, and can stick around and, and play at a high level next year. He, he had flashes in the game against the Chiefs, just obviously not enough. And... Rashad Higgins fumbled the ball out of the end zone. Draft Kyle yeah, Pitts. I do think Baker improved as the season went on, Rich. Yeah, I'm generally down on Baker Mayfield, but I agree with that. I thought he actually did improve as the season went on. He was uh, obviously less turnover prone, so he definitely uh, made some strides. And obviously have a good running game, defense, the rest of it. As far as the Ravens are concerned, this one's a really easy one as to what they need, Rich. Marquise Brown said the number one rushing and 30-something in passing. That's not right. And a long talk with uh, Lamar Jackson said they'll be back with the Ravens. they got to revamp that passing game, right? Yeah, they need a new passing game coordinator. They have one right now uh, in the building, and they need a new one. Greg Roman, uh, who is the offensive coordinator in general, it doesn't seem like he has uh, enough ideas in the passing game to give them what they need. All of these Ravens losses, it's about the passing game. The passing game, the passing game is not modern. The passing game is not multiple. The passing game is too static, all these sorts of things. Uh, So they do need a revamp in the passing game to help Lamar Jackson. Don't tell me Lamar can't do it. The guy played for Bobby Petrino in college. He can handle an advanced passing game or a passing game that puts a little bit more on him uh, to, to be successful. But they also need a receiver. I mean, they need a number one receiver uh, that can just go up and get the ball uh, you know, in 50-50 situations or what have you. Hollywood Brown's nice, but I don't think Hollywood Brown's a number one. Willie Sneed is nice, but I don't think he's a number one. The Ravens desperately need, you know, an alpha receiver this year, next year. I'm going to call Marquise Brown, Marquise Brown, because he hasn't earned Hollywood. It's interesting that that's what he said. And shouts out to you being leader guy and saying that we need to be better here, but you're part of the problem, sir. We need you to step up and be a little better. We need you to live up to that first round tag that you got drafted with, sir. Uh, So they definitely need some wide receiver help. And I think the guys that they currently have getting better would help. And then just adding someone additional there, I think that'll help them as well. Also, too, getting better by, by, by having less. I think cutting Mark Ingram is just going to let J.K. Dobbins fly. Let him fly because they got better letting that dude be be who he is. This political four-man running back tandem just didn't work out. When you just stuck to uh, Gus and J.K., you were a lot better there. So, All right, let's put the bed to the New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees, as I said, if that was his final game, that's not the way he wanted to go out. This guy had the most 
passing yards ever in regular season, touchdowns, records galore. Does have the one Super Bowl championship with three interceptions in that final game. Old man Armour's catching up to him. It was actually a terrible year. If you don't forget, I mean, the offseason, he conflated not standing up for the anthem as being unpatriotic. So, harumph, harumph, that old man he had was terrible. Drew Brees looks like he's done, Vodge. I mean, after the game, him and Tom Brady are talking. Brady's throwing passes to Brees' kid. Nice little scene, but Drew's probably done. He's probably going to be in the booth with NBC, Football Night in America. The question is this. Who's up next now for Sean Payton? Mickey Loomis has got some decisions there. How do you make the Saints a good team, retool on the fly? I know you like famous Jameis, but is it going to be the other quarterback who ends up being the guy in Taysom Hill? I would love to get you guys' ideas on this as well because as I was watching the game, I just had a thought. If you're Sean Payton, like, what's your moral compass here? Like, do you let Drew Brees go out on the shield or do you try to win this damn playoff game, right? Because at some point you have to go, okay, at least James threw a touchdown in this thing and Drew Brees is just throwing the ball to the other team. At some point, Drew is digging us into this hole. Let me go with the younger option. Let me at least go with Taysom so I can do something different, right? Or do you just let Drew Leonidas his way through this and say, hey, I'm going to go out on my own terms, whatever, whatever. Uh, it should be Jameis. Jameis is young. Jameis, you should have taken advantage of this in the regular season. Jameis is making a million dollars, man. Like, like, see what you have so that you know, hey, Jameis, humble third depth chart. Jameis, take this $15 million contract that's more than you got now and be a starter for us next year and you can have that cap help. But they didn't do that. They stuck with Taysom or whatever. So if it's me, I'm going Jameis, but who knows, man? Yeah, I, look, the the Saints, uh, you know, decisions, they're going to go way deeper than Jameis. Saints are looking at $260 million-ish in cap liabilities. They're going to be $80 million, perhaps, Boy. over a cap that's not increasing and, and staying flat or going down. The, chi- the, the They are going to have to make some legitimately difficult decisions about what they're going to do with this roster and as far as who's going to do the draft next year terry fontenon is now the gm of the atlanta falcons it was reported today uh so the saints have some decisions to make and the guy that runs their draft isn't there or was instrumental in in their you know revamp of the draft process one of them is not there right now so it's a very interesting offseason for the saints uh you know drew Brees walks off into the sunset it looks like you know, are they going to do the Taysom Hill show? Are they going to sign Jameis Winston? What it may take to sign Jameis Winston, they may not be able to do. Does that mean they, they make some strategic cuts or restructures in other areas? Are they able to bring this whole band back? This was a roster that was built to win right now, was built to win yesterday, and it didn't. So where do they go from here? Last couple questions here. The Houston Texans, where do they go from here as you wrap up shop here? More football. Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's furious right now. Vach, he's annoyed with the Texans. He was not a part of the search to get the GM. Nick Casario comes in, formerly of the Patriots. He wants to have personnel say. He's upset he hasn't been vetted. Bottom line is this. Do you think Deshaun Watson's being a diva? You know, it's not like the Texans just became garbage overnight. You know, like that whole thing <laughs> top to bottom. Ever since the whole uh, you don't let the inmates run the prison comment, that should have gave that should have gave you a little something, right? And then Bill O'Brien just being incompetent, that should have gave you a little something. Your number the best receiver in the league leaves. That should have gave you a little something. But what did you do to Sean Watson? You signed the contract. You say, fine, I'll be here. Now, Deshaun, if you would have said, hey, I see the writing on the wall. I'm just going to humbly bow out and y'all just going to have to understand what I'm dealing with. Then I have no problem with what you're doing, my guy. And I'm sort of quasi pro player, but you just signed this contract like like three months ago. So he's kind of being a diva, even though I sympathize with him. You know, like it it is kind of crappy over there, but 
you signed up to be there. So, you know, it is what it is, my guy. Yeah, but, I mean, you think about it, the, like, think about the ramifications of not signing that long-term deal. Vach, you're dealing, you're about to deal with it right now with one rain Dakota Prescott. Mm-hmm. If you come into a situation where you come into a season with where you're on an expiring deal or you're on a franchise tag or what have you, and you get hurt, it then creates a very awkward situation for everybody involved. You don't turn down that long-term money that the Texans were going to offer. I mean, you just don't. That's, that's not reality. And so because of that, you know, I it's fine that he re-signed. Uh, but as your franchise quarterback, it's not that you expect to have say, in personnel or coaching in a vacuum. As far as it's reported, the Texans told him they'd run things by him and then didn't. That's a different playing field. That's where you're playing with your bosses lied to you when they they told you something and did not follow through on it. That's why he has every right to be upset about this situation and every right to try to exert what leverage he can. Because remember, because he's on that long-term deal, he doesn't have a ton of leverage. Saying he's going from 2 to 10 is about as much leverage as he has, short of the extreme, which is a Le'Veon Bell situation where he sits out the whole season. Uh, you know, I, I do think it is well, or, you know, it, it, it is also well within his right to demand a trade, but that is the nuclear option here. Uh, I think for the Texans' perspective, I'm very pro-player as well. But man, if even if that guy demands a trade, I don't deal him, man. He's the franchise, and you got him locked up. Either if if I'm the Texans, I really sit here and say, "You're playing football for us, or you're not playing football at all." So it, it's going to be a very interesting uh, offseason for the Texans and Deshaun Watson. But remember, this probably needs to get shorn up by the draft because of the lack of draft picks that the Texans have. The Texans need an answer here about draft picks if they're going to potentially make a deal with somebody. One last comment yeah, on that. Line, no matter how unhappy he is, there's no way I'm trading this guy. Like you see, he's a generational quarterback. We'll figure this out. We'll do whatever it needs to be done. You're getting paid a ton of money. You want some personnel, say with the OC. You want this draft, this whatever it takes. We're not trading Deshaun Watson. Final thought from you, Vach. Go ahead. Just my last retort on that. I think if it's like Tannehill or something, or if it's like Phillip Rivers or something, yeah, you take the money. But Rain Dakota Prescott, yeah, he's in that situation, but he's a 27-year-old, you know, in his prime top 10 or so, top 5 or so quarterback. Deshaun Watson as well. So if you don't take the money with Houston, just like you said the other day, Rich, we was in a little, we was in a little group chat, if you can't use Deshaun Watson, then you suck, basically. We're just going to use that word. Then you suck. So if so if, if Watson doesn't sign with Houston, if he just says, hey, I'm not going to Houston, then he's going to go to free agency, and there's going to be 27 teams lining up to sign Deshaun Watson. Just like if the Cowboys don't sign Dak, it's going to be 27 teams lining up lined up to go sign him. So I just think it's different in that way. But moving forward, one last point. I hope Deshaun gets his money. I hope Deshaun ends up in a situation where he can be a winner. What we don't want for Deshaun is to end up with to, uh, some bad team like he gets traded to the Jets or something and the Jets give all their picks away and now they can't put good players around him because they gave all their picks away. Now he's in the same the same deal that he's in in, in um, Houston or whatever. So let's hope that don't happen. Yeah, I- I was going to say, I know he's upset, but he deserves better than having to play for the Jets. As always, make sure you go to the zone and check out the latest football features, including one breaking down Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, memorable moments those kids have had in championship games, and also another preview looking at the Super Bowl and what could potentially happen in this year's dance. 
And don't forget the Rookie Diaries on the zone with Chase Claypool. Chase causing an uproar last week by interview with him <laughs> in which he said the Browns are absolutely classless. Did not back down from his comments because of their behavior towards Juju Smith-Schuster. So make sure you check that out. For Richard Johnson, Vox Lombardi, Madden and Burke, we'll see you next week. Only two shows left to go.